That was sweet. Iowa puts an offensive clinic on the board against Ohio State as they run past the Buckeyes to win it 92-275. And we dare to dream a little bit with this Hawkeye squad. All coming up today on Locked On Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome in. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts, and you can also find us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. couple of new subscribers. A shout-out to Jill Doyle along for the ride with us, and Jin Jim, excuse me, Vutdevin. Uh, Thanks to both of you for hitting that subscribe button. We'll give you a shout-out here. Very easy. Takes just a second. Hit that subscribe button. Let's you know when we go live and gets us in front of more Hawkeye fans. Well, we certainly want to do that after that kind of performance that I will put on the Buckeyes here tonight. A dominating performance after a little bit of a struggle during the first half of the game. But late in the first half, Iowa caught fire from downtown. Some of those open shots started to go down. Chris Murray with a big one. Tony Perkins with a couple of big threes. But Ultimately, the story of this game, and when you hearken back to this one, this is going to be remembered as the Connor McCaffrey game. We've talked about a couple of Peyton Sanford games. We've talked about big performances from a bunch of different players that have stepped up in different ways. Tony Perkins in the Illinois game, and he was outstanding once again tonight. But the performance by Connor McCaffrey, I mean, this was his absolute crowning achievement, right? I mean, just as a basketball player, a guy that has been so maligned as a hooper, through his six years now on campus, a guy that people wanted more from, people questioning his decision to play both baseball and basketball. Was he putting in the kind of effort that was necessary to be a scholarship athlete at that level? Now, remember, Connor was a highly regarded guy coming out of high school. He was a four-star player by most recruiting services. He was a consensus top 150 player. He, He had accolades. And if his last name wasn't McCaffrey or he's a different kind of guy, he would have found a home at a lot of college basketball programs out there. But now seeing the way that it's all come together, the injuries that he's battled throughout his career, dealing with the hip injuries that he's gone through, the shooting slumps that he's had at times where he looked completely lost out there offensively, at least as it pertains to scoring the basketball. But what he does as a facilitator, he is second in power five basketball over the last 20 years in assist-to-turnover ratio. He has always been able to do more. And even when the offense wasn't there, when the shooting wasn't there, most importantly for him, there were so many things that he does. And that's why something going back to our conversations back in November, when basketball was just starting, they got off to the nice start. It was against a bunch of bye games. There wasn't a whole lot to read into it normally. But the one thing that I've kept coming back to, and if you've been with me here over the last couple of months and talking about this Iowa basketball team, the reason that gives me optimism, gives me hope, is guys like Connor McCaffrey, just that toughness that he plays, the edge that he has when he's out there, and he is as confident as he has ever been on the basketball floor. Just an absolute maestro out there, putting everybody where they need to be. 13 assists, does it without a turnover, also chips in with 7.7 rebounds, just That's Connor McCaffrey. He's not going to ever score 20 for you. That's just not who he is. That's not the way that he plays the game. But 
He does so many other things. How about what he also did defensively? You know, you saw Sensabaugh times start to go off a little bit, felt like he was heating up, and what happened? Kind of went right over and got things done. Just an absolutely beautiful game in the second half as Iowa got rolling. And, of course, as we mentioned, at the end of the first half, things started clicking for them. It was looking really good. You take that lead into the locker room as you're up by double digits, up by 11-47-36, and you're thinking, all right, well, the Buckeyes probably got a run in them. Well, that wasn't the case. Iowa comes out right away. The defense was much more connected. And and really, the final score does not paint the picture of this way the game played out. Ohio State hit eight of their last nine shots. They shoot 57% from the floor. But the defense overall was so much better. Yeah, Buckeyes got off early in the game, and they were hitting shots from all over the place. Frankly, shots that they normally don't hit. Now, that also happened in the first game in Columbus. but. When you're looking at this and you got guys firing up shots and just hitting all kinds of garbage, McNeil hitting a 30 footer in stride, just hey, you throw your hands up at times when guys are doing that. There was a play Connor had his hand, I mean, right in the face, absolute perfect defense in the face of Sensabaugh. He just hit a soft jumper over top of him. I mean, you tip your ball cap and you move on. But Iowa, much more connected defensively. You know, the question I posed as we previewed this game is how much that press defense that we've seen Iowa use and lead to a lot of turnovers here recently, you know, how much they're going to be able to do that against a four guard lineup from Ohio state. It didn't matter. Uh, Iowa was just the aggressor, the better team. And when Iowa starts clicking the way that they were during the second half, and it goes from the strong end of the first half and into the second, and they started to open that thing up and it quickly went from 11 point lead up to 15 into 20, got as high as what 28. I think at one point, was the high water mark that they led in this game against Ohio State. I understand the broke the Buckeyes are a broken team right now. I get that. This is not a very good team right now, though there's talent on it. They're not connected. And you can see this happen quite a bit in college basketball. Take a look, or if you go back and you're somebody like me that likes to go back and watch the game again, just look at the Ohio State sideline. And the guys, after every timeout, didn't matter if Holtman called a timeout or it was just a TV timeout. You saw the bench guys coming to jump, jumping out there. It it felt fake. It, fake. it felt forced. And we've seen that from some Iowa basketball teams in the past where, for whatever reason, it's just not clicking. You know, Iowa had a couple of those losing streaks at the end of the year, those types of things. Well, that is no more. You know, the Fran fade, that used to be a conversation that came up quite often. We would talk about at the end of the season, the Fran McCaffrey's teams, they get off to really nice starts in the Big Ten, and then they falter in the back half of the year. Well, it wasn't the case, certainly last year. It's not the case this year. Hasn't been the case now for the last couple of seasons. And Fran McCaffrey, his record now in February games is absolutely incredible. I believe over the last three or four seasons, you take a look back at those numbers, what he has been able to do. His team's starting to peak, play the better basketball, and and that's what you sign up for. And we go through this conversation a lot, and ultimately it's about what happens in March and what happens in the NCAA tournament. I hate that part of it. I hate that part of college basketball that so much is put on what you do at the end of the season, but uh, it's a reality of, of where we are. Well, with that, we are going to think a little bit about the future and what this team still can do. Purdue lost again. They have now lost three out of their last four, and their only win during this run was against the Iowa Hawkeyes, as we know, but it's a little goofy. We're, we're going to get a little goofy here. We're going to have some fun. We're going to go in the way back machine. We're going to talk more about this Iowa basketball team. What's in front of them? A huge matchup against Northwestern now coming on Sunday with second place on the line in the Big Ten. The Hawkeyes can get into a tie for second place. An Iowa team that lost to Eastern Illinois. Just a putrid team. Garbage. 
in one of the ugliest performances maybe ever in Carver Hawkeye Arena when you look at things historically. That's how bad it was. And Todd Licklider had teams that played in Carver Hawkeye Arena for three seasons. That was as ugly and as bad of a loss as any good team possibly can have. 0-3 in the Big Ten. And 0-3, when you look back at it, with losses to Wisconsin, not very good. Nebraska, not very good. And Penn State, the best of the group. And they're not even an NCAA tournament team. Yet, with all of that, we dare to dream. We'll do that as we continue here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. We finished things up here as the halfway point of the NBA season is with us with the NBA All-Star break. It's a perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. New customers right now. You're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores, threes drained. Of course, we got NBA All-Star Weekend. You like somebody in the three-point shootout. You like somebody in the dunk contest. You get to the actual All-Star game. Well, don't you got to bet the over every single time? Unless they're going to go uh, with, with whatever that they call that. Uh, the ending at the end. I can't even think of it. Hey, it's late here. We were up late watching this one again. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com. Slash locked on again. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Trent kind of back with you once again here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. So, talking about this game, yes. Connor McCaffrey, he was incredible. You know, a few other numbers that, that jumped out to me as I was going through the box score afterwards. Um Looking at the offensive efficiency numbers, as you'd imagine, they are absolutely through the roof. I mean, it, when you put up 92 in a game like that, you're playing as efficiently as Iowa did as they finish averaging 1.41 points per possession. That's elite. <laughs> that is high-level stuff. So here's the offensive rating. This is from uh, Ken Pomeroy's numbers, a analytic-based site. Talk about it a lot here. I'm sure if you're a college basketball fan, you know plenty about Ken Palm. .com and Ken Pomeroy and the numbers that he puts together. Every single one of the player that played extended minutes, more than four minutes that Josh Dix got or DeSante Point, every single one of them was north of 100 in offensive efficiency. In fact, the low water mark was Peyton Sanford at 119. 100's average. Every player over 100 and 119 for Peyton Sanford. Some of these other numbers. Connor McCaffrey, his offensive rating, which combines assists, points scored, all those different things. 192 with the 13 assists, no turnover effort. Chris Murray, just a whole hum, 20 points. His offensive numbers, offensive rating at 122. Tony Perkins, he was at 144. Aaron Eulis at 134, one of the highest that he has had this season. Philip Robracha, who battled foul trouble, had those two fouls in the first half, didn't play a ton. But boy, he even finished uh, up there as well as he was at 131. It was beautiful basketball. And this, when this Iowa basketball team, when they're clicking, there's just something fun about it. You know, that offensive system, the way that they play, the what they're able to do, it gets you fired up. It gets me fired up and it left me wanting to hope a little bit. We here on Lockdown Hawkeyes try to speak the truth. 
don't like to sugarcoat things. Don't want to go down the rabbit hole to just becoming a homer. That's, that's not what it is. Now, at times, does that lead to me being maybe a little bit more pessimistic than I'm sure some fans would like? Absolutely. I get that because I, I can get drugged down a little bit. So for the old timers out there, you may remember 1979. I do not. I wasn't born. Took a year later before I was able to join this world. So we're talking a long time. Well, 1979, as it pertains to Iowa basketball and college basketball in general, great year. That was a Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird national championship game. Iowa qualified that year for the NCAA tournament. It was a 40-team bracket at the time. In fact, only two teams from the Big Ten got in that year. That was also the last year that Iowa won a regular season title. It was a three-way tie. Iowa tied that aforementioned Michigan State team at 13-5. and five. Iowa also 13-5. and five. Purdue was also 13-5 and five that year. They went on to the NIT as they did not get a bid to the NCAA tournament. What happened? They promptly won the NIT. But think of that. I mean, a, a co-Big Ten champion not even qualifying for the NCAA tournament. Again, 40-team bracket as opposed to what we have today with the 68-team. In fact, that was the only year that we had 40 teams in the NCAA tournament. It was 32 the year previous, went up to 48 after that. The expansion continued up until, what, 1985 when they went to the 64-team bracket, which is the perfect model. Now we have the play-in round, the opening round. Don't call it a play-in. You'll get in trouble by some people out there. But with that being said, that was the time. 1979, last time Iowa won a Big Ten title. Well, Trent, why are you talking about this? Purdue's got this wrapped up. Well, not so fast. So Purdue drops another one. Now three of their last four have gone in the L column. What they have remaining. Now the schedule for Purdue isn't overly daunting. They still have a cushion here. They don't have to be perfect down the stretch to claim the regular season title. They get this Buckeye team coming in on Sunday. Well, they're going to throttle them by 100. Could definitely see that. A pissed off Purdue team against an Ohio State team that for all intents and purposes probably has quit on this year. Yeah, it'd be pretty easy to see that. But then it's a game against Indiana. Now, it will be in West Lafayette. You got the revenge angle if you like to play that. I, I'm not always keen on it. I think that it's more situational than anything. But, okay. Let's say, just for instance, Indiana gets a season sweep. And the Hoosiers win that one. Then they go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's not playing well. Still, you couldn't see shooting go cold in the Kohl Center and that crappy basketball that they use. And they lose another one. And then they wrap up back at home again for Purdue, but against Illinois. We know in Illinois, when they're playing well, they can beat most anybody and certainly anybody in the Big Ten. For argument's sake, just play along with me for a moment, okay? Let's have some fun. That would drop them to 13-7 and seven in conference play. Well, after the win tonight, Iowa is 9-6. and six. That means the Hawkeyes would only be able to afford one more loss the rest of the year. Well, coming up Sunday, second place on the line against Northwestern. Going to be tough. Still, in this scenario, I think you have to win that game. Then next week is a trip out to Wisconsin. Not been a great place, though. I was picked up a few wins here recently against Bucky. And they're not good. All right, let's give them a win. Just, just humor me, please. Stop yelling at their podcast. Stop yelling at me if you're watching on YouTube. Home for Michigan State next Saturday. Boom. Win. At Indiana, I think by far that is the most difficult game because of not just the way that Iowa came back in the game, down 25-4, to came roaring back to win it, 
but also the extras that were happening. You know, Woodson calling out Fran McCaffrey. There's going to be a lot there. That crowd is going to be charged up. They're going to be ready. They thought they got a bad whistle in Iowa City. I think everybody got a bad whistle in Iowa City. That was just a poorly officiated game uh, overall. And then Nebraska, of course, to wrap up. Well, that scenario, you're talking about a team that goes 4-1. and one, And they would be tied with Purdue with the 13-7 and seven record. Ah, but remember, in this scenario, we also gave Indiana wins against, well, Iowa. Handing Iowa their only loss, Purdue. They do still have to go to Michigan State. That comes up next Tuesday, the 21st. And they wrap up at home against Michigan. Saturday, though, against Illinois. This feels a little dirty. I think we have to be Illinois fans for a day. If, if this crazy scenario is all going to come together, I think that's probably the way that we're going to have to play. I know it's a long shot. I get it. We're, we're talking about probably a, a 2% chance of this actually coming to fruition and this really playing out. But for something that hasn't happened since 1979, I dare to dream just for a moment. I was a different team on the road, and that means having to go and win at Northwestern. That place, since they renovated Welsh Ryan, it's really good. It really is. It's a loud environment. It's a small gym. It's it's not going to have 15,400 in there like Carver-Hawkeye Arena. That doesn't matter. Students have been into it. I mean, did you see that game the other night against Indiana? I mean, just how fired up that crowd was. And they're going off after Miller Cop and shouting some things at him, the former Northwestern player now playing at Indiana. And, well, afterwards we also hear Chris Collins didn't exactly enjoy that very much as former coach. But, it's going to be a good environment. Second place on the line. Northwestern's thinking about making the NCAA tournament for just the second time in program history. It's going to be a charged up environment. Keep it going. Play that beautiful brand of basketball. Those guards are going to be a problem. But I just wanted to play that for a little bit. You know, one other thing as I was going back and looking at that 79 season. Again, Iowa's last regular season title that they had in 1979. It was a shared one that season. A crazy thing, too. And, and I've known this and I've talked about this on my radio shows in the past. But... That year, again, only 40 teams get in. Their first game, if you will, came up against Toledo. It was a 4-5 game. It would be in today's realm around a 32 game, that 4-5 game. They lost to Toledo. Lute Olson also lost to Idaho. Now, Idaho was a three seed that year, but he still they lost to Idaho. His last game as a Hawkeye coach lost to Wichita State. And we like to bag on Fran. Now, of course, Lou Dolson also had a Final Four, and he's also got a regular season title. So I get all that. And we know ultimately what he did at Arizona and ultimately winning a national championship in 1997 with Miles Simon and company. But there's also been some clunkers there. You know, at times, it just feels like some people miss the Iowa basketball history and exactly how good it was. It was excellent. You know, very standard, solid, year in and year out good. The Final Four run of 1980. Hearing those stories, reading those stories, people that lived it, people that were a part of it, just some of the best best memories I know for Hawkeye basketball fans and for old-timers out there. I wasn't around. Well, I was a month away from being born. Right? It, it was a different time, but the pomp and circumstance that surrounded it. But the Iowa program, I think there's this misconception out there that it was higher than it actually was. Lou Olson. Had a couple of great teams. Dr. Tom, his first team, was excellent. He had more NBA players for a while on that team than anybody in college basketball history. That's how talented they were. 
Yet, after that, back to where we are right now. Iowa basketball on their way to the eighth NCAA tournament the last 10 seasons. Dr. Tom never did that. I know we got a breakthrough. I know we got to get to the Sweet 16. And as I said earlier, because you got a guy like Connor McCaffrey, that's not just a part of the team. He's an important part of the team. He is maybe the lifeblood of, of this team and just exactly what you need. You have a guy like Tony Perkins that plays with emotion, that raw energy, that physicality that he brings to the game, the emotion, all those different things. Those, I like numbers. I am a gambler. I am somebody that enjoys looking at analytical things and trying to see what, what I watch on the television, what I watch when I go to a game at Carver. I want to see if that marries with the numbers that are out there. But there's things that you can't measure. You know, the extra heartbeat toughness, versatility, these things that are difficult to measure. And no matter what kind of analytical system you put together, there are just certain parts of it that you'll never be able to put a number behind. And I feel like maybe this Iowa team has that, that thing that you can't put a number behind. And that's what gets me excited. It gets excited in a year in college basketball where this thing's wide open. I was reading some comments on YouTube and uh, people were talking about, you know, a possible path, possible path for Iowa to get to the Sweet 16. Boy, if we could get just get to a 16. Look, they had the path last year. They had a perfect path to get to the Sweet 16, and they crapped the bed. I think you put this year's team in the exact same circumstance as last year's team. I know last year's team, maybe you can argue, had more raw talent. I don't think Chris Murray is going to be a top-four draft pick like Keegan was. But... It just, it feels different. I know we had those warm feelings after the Big Ten tournament last year, too. We're, we're, we're talking in circles here. I just, it feels different. And I hope and I pray that this is going to be the year that we can finally put to bed the Sweet 16 talk about Fran McCaffrey and how he's never got there before as a college coach and it'll never happen. And keep getting there. It's eventually going to happen. And he, year after year after year, puts his teams in the contention to be an NCAA tournament team to get there. And when you get there, you got a chance. We'll come back here a little more on Iowa Northwestern coming up on Sunday, a huge matchup for the Hawkeyes. That's as we roll through here on Locked On Hawkeyes. Thanks again for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen today. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton you everything you need to know on and off the floor. Plus, you can hear from the big names, the coaches, the players, all throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on college basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. So as we wrap up here on this basketball full edition of Locked on Hawkeyes podcast, just a quick peek forward to Northwestern. Now we saw them very recently, right? We saw the matchup against Western and we know what happened. Iowa ultimately able to pull away and get the win at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. That was a Northwestern team coming off their COVID pause. Maybe a little bit of tired legs, excuse me, late in that game. Boo Booey, he did his thing. He had 20. Adij, he is so athletic. I mean, he is an absolute flyer. Now, those two guys combined to shoot 2 of 10 from downtown. Chances of that happening again against the Iowa defense. I wouldn't put it real high. This is tough. And... All the dreaming that we were just doing in the pod podcast, it could come crashing down on Sunday night. Northwestern's playing well. 
know, they controlled the game against Indiana before a late run from the Hoosiers. They'll defend you. Those guards can get to the bucket against anybody, and they can hit shots. And they got different guys. Brand, he can step up from time to time. Barry can hit three-pointers. It's not a deep team, but they have pieces. And the team that we saw at Carver-Hawkeye Arena as Iowa pulled away, I think is different than what we've seen overall out of this Wildcats squad. It's going to be tough. It, it absolutely is. Iowa women, they go on the road this weekend as well. On Saturday as they get ready to take on Nebraska. We talked about that earlier in the week. Very desperate team. And uh, Indiana, I, I don't think the Hoosiers are going to lose again before we get to that regular season finale. And, and speaking of that, if you missed the news from uh, earlier on Thursday, College Game Day, the Women's College Game Day program going to be making their way to Iowa City in preparation for that game, that final Sunday of the regular season of the women's basketball schedule. I mean, how cool is that? The Caitlin Clark effect, it is so huge. We continue to see the TV numbers. We know what it means if you have a young girl like I do. And what she is as, as somebody that people try to emulate. They always had the pictures up in social media for the women's basketball does a great job of that. doesn't matter if you're following them on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, you'll see the pictures of girls, not just in Hawkeye garb, but the opposing fans. And they're coming up to Caitlin Clark and looking to shake her hand or get an autograph or whatever it is. She is an absolute star, but Indiana who just saw the highlights tonight against Michigan. They are an absolute behemoth. So that means for Iowa, it means you got to be perfect. And that means being perfect now on the road for the next two games, starting with Nebraska, playing for their NCAA tournament lives, then going out to see old friend Brenda Freeze, Cedar Rapids native, and that Maryland team that Iowa was able to run off the floor. It's a road game. It's going to be different. And then you got to come back to Carver and cap it all off with a win against Indiana to get a share of the Big Ten regular season title. That's what we're looking at. It is a difficult road, but if there is a team and if there's a player that can lead to that kind of moment, it's certainly Caitlin Clark. Also, the wrestlers, they get ready for Oklahoma State on Sunday before they get a little bit of time before wrestling begins. Also, a little bit later here on Friday, we're going to get our first look at the Iowa baseball team. We're going to do a little bit more on the Hawkeye baseball team softball also getting started so a lot going on with the spring sports plenty to talk about as always in hawkeyeville uh, they always have something for us and here's a great thing i'll be here for you each and every day locked on hawkeyes your first listen make sure to make it your first listen each and every day and check out locked on college basketball it's everything you need to know about college hoops in one place hear from the big names the insiders coaches and players with locked on college basketball it's available right now on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Shouting out again, Jill Doyle and Jim Vugdatine. No, I nailed that. That No, terrible. Jim Vugtavine. I think I got it. Boy, that was a struggle. It's late. We need to get to bed. Well, actually, we need to get some shuffling done. We'll be back with you again with an Instant Reaction podcast after Iowa Northwestern on Sunday night. Feels good to beat those Buckeyes. Let's keep the streak rolling. Let's get to second place in the Big Ten. Beat the Wildcats on Sunday night. We'll talk to you then here on Locked On Hawkeyes. Go Hawks!